Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Read a couple verses and jump into this message on the priority of marriage as we continue the Family Foundations series here. 531 and 32. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, this marriage thing, but I'm, I'm talking about Christ in the church. Wow. Lord, would you open our eyes and give us vision for marriage through the lens of Christ in the church today. In the name of Jesus, and we all say, amen. amen. Okay, well, uh, speaking of marriage help, we had a marriage seminar here this past Sunday afternoon with a little over 100 people. Jim and Donna Reynolds brought a great word. I wasn't able to hear, but be here myself. I did listen to it on the audio file, and uh, man, it was good. And there were so many, I was like little nugget one-liners I was writing down, and I'll just give you one. Jim said, if you're looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, you're not going to find him. All you're going to find are wrongs, including yourself. Romans 1 and 2 is very clear about that. I thought it was way funnier than that. (laughs) Like, Mr. Right doesn't exist. Mrs. Right doesn't exist. We're all sinners. Everybody's like, woo! (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, you hadn't gotten married yet. You'll find out. That's what happens. So uh, the priority of marriage, continuing on this, this series here. And I just want to say as we, a few, few things. We talk about this. I just want to speak the word grace. Grace. Even as you get, there's little things, you know, we all have, there's all space for us to grow, right? Yes. Everybody can grow. Nobody's arrived like, woo, you know, I've arrived. So just grace. We all, we all need grace and grace to walk it out. Several years ago, 2005, we had our first international missions conference for our workers, for our international workers in 2005 in Graz, Austria. You think James looks young now? I just looked at the pictures again this morning. Man, we were younger looking. (laughs) And uh, one of the things Brent Mitchell did, though, he led us through a cemetery up there. All the guys, we had some guy time, and he led us through a cemetery in Graz on this hillside, in this little village outside of Graz. And uh, we looked at, you know, all the dates and stuff. And I don't know if you've done that lately, but man, that is a, that's a helpful uh, experience. Because you look at the dates, and they were like 1700s to whatever, you know, 1800s, all these different dates. And it's the dash, of course, that is so powerful. It's the dash. That's the life they lived, you know. And I just want to, I thought of that yesterday, the day before. So I want to say that about life. And about our marriages, just a reminder that everybody's got a dash coming. Unless the Lord ter- unless the Lord comes, we're all gonna eventually die, you know. So it matters how you live, right? It matters. And if you're gonna get married, if you're gonna get married, then that's gonna be a big chunk of what you do in life is kind of figure that thing out. You're doing a lot of that with another person, and so it's a it's a priority. In fact, our marriage has the potential to affect all kinds of people around us. What we do, our kids, our families, 
other relationships. It's supposed to be like a, like a shining light that touches other people. Our marriages will indeed affect people around us. And so like we talked about in the first week, it starts in our house and it ebbs and flows with church life. You can't, it's hard to separate them. They go together. God intended for them to go to, to, to go together. And it's a big deal in our culture right now because there's changing views and values about what is marriage, right? What, what is this? You know, what goes? What, what, what works? What is, is normal and normative? I came across this changing views on same sex marriage in the Pew Forum. This is a study that was done this year, 2019. It's a, a survey group, data group out of Washington, D.C., the Pew Forum. You can look it up. Changing attitudes on gay marriage. In 2004, 61% of Americans opposed gay marriage. And 31% were in favor of it. Now, this year, 2019, 61% of Americans favor it and 31% oppose it. Now, if you just take the millennial, I don't know where to look for that. I know in second service, they're kind of more over here. But the millennial slice of that has increased. It's even higher than the, the, than the rest of the adult average. It's 74% as opposed to 44% back in 2004. And we totally want to communicate love and compassion to all people, period. And we want to have a clear biblical vision of what God's calling us to do so that we're not rattled by, uh, something's happened on Facebook, I need to change my core basic belief about God's purpose for marriage, right? So this vision thing is absolutely huge. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. If you don't have a vision of what you're going for, then you don't keep moving toward that goal. If you don't have a vision of where you're going, then you can wander off and just do whatever because it it doesn't matter. So this vision piece is huge. Even as opinions change, we want to ground ourselves in God's vision. So family is like the found. I'm just taking some things from some documents that we've written about this. Family, it's like the foundational unit of our society. Family is. You know, marriage is between a man and a woman in covenant commitment for life. Children from the moment of conception, are a blessing from God. Grandchildren are a blessing from God. Yeah, man, it's just awesome. Adopted children are a blessing from God. Just looking over, saw somebody over there doing that. And parents demonstrate God's love and what it looks like for children so they can see that. So we've got a, there's a call on us as parents to model that and to demonstrate that for them. Marriage is the only legitimate accepted sexual relationship. Now, here's the deal. We want to ground ourselves in the solid... So, yeah, I mean, I could go to a couple of verses and talk about it, and really, that's not the point of the sermon here. I'm really casting vision in a big picture in the sweeping theme from Genesis to Revelation for what's marriage supposed to look like in God's heart and mind, His vision, His purpose for humanity, male and female together as image bearers on planet Earth. What's that supposed to look like? That's huge. And so this this vision piece, it's like if you're running a marathon 
you know, what I'm going to be talking about today is, is not so much like do these nine things and then you'll have a happy marriage. What I'm talking about is God's biblical vision. It's like running a marathon and knowing that there's an end to the race out there. I'm not telling you if like the road tilts a little bit to the left. Now take a couple steps back to the, that's not what this message is about. It's about there's a vision out there that God wants us running in the big picture. And if we keep that vision in mind, then, then it's, we'll navigate things along the way because even if we get off a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, we know that's where we're going. That's our vision. That's what God's given us. He's called us to do. We don't just do whatever. We don't cast off restraint and believe whatever. We order our lives to what God's laid out as a vision for us. God, here's the main thing. God wants us to catch his vision of Christ in the church in order to shape our vision for marriage in real life. In everyday living, it gets shaped by this vision of Christ in the church. And can I just say, this is not peripheral. This is not like a, oh, this is like an edgy kind of message, shaky limb kind of thing. I mean, this is like Genesis 1 and 2 to Revelation 21, 22. This is a sweeping theme. Christ the church and the glory of God and that imaged in husband-wife relationship is massive. I mean, it's just absolutely huge. We're not going to get to the end of it. I need to write about it. We need to write, we need books about it because it's powerful. It will ground you and give you vision all at the same time. So as we catch more of this vision, we'll catch more of God's vision for our everyday lives. So let's look at this. God's vision for marriage. Now there's, there's not just one way to say this, but I'm going to take a swing at it. And I should have written this down. I didn't. God's vision is a man and a woman in covenant commitment for life, expressing a visible picture of an ever-deepening love between Christ and the church. Okay, let me say it again. God's vision is a man and a woman in covenant commitment for life, expressing a visible picture of an ever-deepening love between Christ and the church. We're like a shadow, you know? And the more we stand in front of that light, the stronger and sharper the shadow is that we cast in what our marriages look like. Yeah, man, it's just, it's right on. Better and better, that's what we say, better and better, going to keep it that way. We literally wrote a song. We used to write songs before we go on vacation, and that was one of the lines in one of our, one of our songs. But that vision of better and better, that's what we say, came from Christ in the church. Me coming home one day and going, my mind was blown by the revelation of Christ in the church, going, Kim, oh my goodness, it's going to get better and better in every way until the day we die. I didn't say it exactly like that, but it was, it was still intense. It, was, it wasn't like I didn't grab her, that would be awkward. But it was like, yeah, it's going to get better, everything, spiritually emotionally, physically, just that's a mystery. It's a mystery. He says it's a mystery, but it's a mystery, but I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. It's good. It's good. So it's like our vision as a church to share and multiply the life of Christ 
in the church through new disciples, new life groups, new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. Now apply that down to marriage. It'd be like to share and multiply the life of Christ in the house through new children, new disciples, new families to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples, or to share and multiply the life of Christ in the house by growing as children, parents, and disciples, and families who are marked by love and joy and perseverance to God's glory. Now, you can write, say it however you want to say it, but it's a good thing to like write some stuff down. I remember I've got folded brown note cards that I wrote vision for my life and my family 30 years ago. They were good. They were a good start. Don Fento, I remember when I shared them with him the first time, he's like, man, Jamie, these are good. But you need to put joy in there. I didn't have joy in any of my statements. He's like, every, every statement needs to have joy in it. And he, yeah, it's like, because that's what Kim would tell me, even when working with the kids. Jamie, it needs to be fun. So again, you guys, this is huge. Bookends of the Bible, Genesis one, uh, one and two. Let's in Revelation twenty-one, twenty-two. Let's read some of those passages. Passages. Turn back. So I'm going to just do a flyover, forty thousand foot Christ in the church flyover. Genesis two, verse eighteen. The Lord said, "It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him." And the Lord formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this, I don't know if he said it like that, but this is now bone of my bones. Maybe he did. Flesh of my flesh, for she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Okay, there's so much there, but that's you've got God's heart and God's purpose for man and woman, Adam and Eve, husband and wife, there pre-fall, before the garden. You've got all these things to be in God's image, to share His life and, and exercise His dominion on the earth, and all of that for His glory. Now, roll the clock forward to the end of Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation 21, it's the new Jerusalem. Actually, you could start in twenty or 19 even, uh, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. So we're going to see this just over and over throughout Scripture. Then I saw Revelation 21, verse 1. A new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And a loud voice from the throne saying, Now is the dwelling of God with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be their God. 
No more, he wiped every tear from their eyes. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order is gone. Behold, he said, I'm making everything new. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. And you start seeing that when you get that as a grid for what's going on in the story of Scripture from the beginning in type with Adam and Eve, with a husband and a wife, all the way through Scripture to fulfillment with Christ in the church, you start seeing that all the way through the story. It just It's all through there. And it's like a vision for how we can really live in marriage. Even from that place, you start seeing that God wants us to be His people. God wants to be our God. He wants us to know Him and to receive His love like Nancy was just talking about. To receive that love, whether we think we deserve it or whether we think we don't deserve it, whether we understand that it's unconditional or not, God wants to give that love to us and gives us the freedom of responding to Him. He's not going to stop loving us, but He is going to give us the opportunity to respond so that our love for Him is real, not coerced and manipulated like little marionettes on string, right? So that's just it's powerful. And from that place, we start seeing bridegroom and bride all through the Old Testament. Boaz and Ruth. Again, we just heard a message on that a few months ago. Boaz and Ruth is a husband-wife story. It's a bridegroom and a bride story. It's about this foreigner, alien, Moabite, somebody who was never supposed to be in the, in the community of Israel down to the 10th generation. And she just comes across the border and Boaz covers her and receives her. And she becomes his wife. Even in all their racial differences and their background differences, she's just welcomed into the family. What a picture. It's pretty powerful, right? Song of Songs. I'm going to kick it up a notch. Song of Songs, man. Wow. Intimate, married love. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I need to hear some female amens on that one. Come on. It's, it, you know, it's, it's married love, but it's also pointing to Christ in the church. And again, because Yancey's sitting here, I did look up a little bit of your dissertation. Like his whole thing was on Hippolytus' second century commentary on the Song of Songs. Y'all are like, whoa, that's heavy. But think Christ in the church. Think romantic love. Think God's anointing for that. Amen. I was, man, I was missing Kim so bad. I was in Vancouver last week, had to sit in those classes listening to N.T. Wright for a week. But I was missing her, and on Friday, I was missing her so bad, that on Friday morning, I got out in my quiet time, I was at a little coffee shop, and, uh, and I was reading Song of Songs, thinking about her, you know? is that weird? But I was also thinking about Christ in the church. About that time, uh, Graydon comes walking in. We, we didn't even have an appointment, but he was up there too. And comes walking in and goes, hey man, what you reading? I said, you really want to know? He said, well, it's, it's the Bible. I said, Song of Songs. He goes, oh, wow. Okay. But I got, I got home, you know, and I thought I'd try one of those verses out on Kim. 
So I, I came up behind her. She's walking into another room, and I'm, I got Song of Songs 1 verse 9 going. And she's walking away. She's walking away from me. I said, I liken you to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. She just keeps walking. She doesn't even, doesn't even stop. I said, that's the Bible, honey. She goes, that sounds like a guy wrote that. I said, well, you are like a Ferrari with 400 horses underneath the hood. She's still like, yeah, okay, whatever. I did some others. She liked those better. But that's how God feels about us. That kind of romantic, intimate, drawn near to us kind of love. Uh, Hosea and Gomer, another one of those stories from the Old Testament. It's like, wow, it's a husband, wife, but the wife's totally unfaithful. She's into prostitution, selling herself, being with other guys, all that stuff. And, and God says, Hosea, marry her. And, and when she goes away, and go, go get her and bring her back because that's what my love for my people is like. Even though they just harlot themselves with idols and all that kind of stuff, I'm loving them. I'm bringing them back. I'm, I'm welcoming them back into my home. So it's about forgiveness and it's about mercy. That's how God loves us as His people. He's good. Isaiah has all these different pictures. I'm just picking one from Isaiah 62, verses 5 and verse 10. If we could flash those up. So, uh, as a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. He's talking about the new Jerusalem. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. So it's literally a chapter. It's on the new, the city. So it's a mixture of metaphors. Like we're a city and we're a bride. You know, and we're a banner for the nations. We're a banner. Verse 10, hit that one. Pass through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Remove the stones and raise a banner for the nations. That's what we do when we communicate out of the fullness of this love relationship that points to the fullness of that love relationship. Raise up a banner. Other people are going to see this love that God has for His people, and they're going to be drawn into it. This is beautiful. So then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus is God in the flesh. The bridegroom has come to His people. Isn't that awesome? And so John the Baptist, greatest dude ever born of women, according to Jesus, and Jesus goes by, and John goes, that's the bridegroom. He's the bridegroom. He's come, and He is awesome. He is the Lamb of God, and He's the bridegroom. Paul starts bringing all of this together in all of his letters. There's so many different places. Paul, it's like, especially in Ephesians that I've been talking about here, uh, wives, uh, husbands, wives, submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Man, that's kind of radical covenant love. If you just do that, happy marriage. Right? Self-sacrificing, agape, lay down your life, love, respect, honor, help to make her all that she's supposed to be, holy and righteous in God, you know, and she's respecting and there's this mutual love that's up and to the right. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, so Paul, Peter, 
First uh, Peter two. Now to you who believe, this stone. I love this verse. Now you to believe, who believe this stone is precious. Yeah, Jesus is precious to us, the church. To you who believe, this stone. When did Jesus become your treasure? Not great. When's he, when did he become your treasure? So how does this vision of Christ in the church help shape the way we live together in marriage? So let's talk about the second piece now. So that's like, woo, sweeping, big picture, and you could unpack that like for a long, long time. But it lands when we have that vision in our hearts, and I don't want to get far away from that vision in my love for her. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to just chunk the stuff that is the vision that God's got for Christ in the church. That means that's a part of the vision that he has for us and us living this out in our lives together. So what does it look like in real life? Our love, our marriages are supposed to be shaped by the ever-deepening love between Christ and the church. Better and better, more and more, further in, higher up. So let me take some of those those different pictures that I, we were just talking about. Being image bearers, having the authority of God, let them rule on the earth. I mean, what that means is there's places in marriages where husband and wife are supposed to exercise the authority of God. It's a sphere that God's given us where you exercise the reign of God. Makes sense? It's not, it's not ethereal. This is like you've got a place where you reign and you express that reign by saying, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do I live this out? How do we do this? How do we walk this out as a couple? How do we walk this out with our children? How do we walk this out in places where we have a say-so? That's what that means. And he said, so let them rule and let them uh, be, na- you know, the, the naked without shame thing is like, you know, there's positives and negatives in marriage. And so there's things we do that express God's reign, and there's things we avoid that bring shame in our lives. And we don't want to do that. And there's grace when we do, but man, we want to do the positives, avoid the negatives. We want to do the things we're supposed to embrace and avoid the things we're supposed to avoid. And there's just grace all in the middle of that. But each one of these points is something that we work through. Image, dominion, life. The multiplication of that life. Boaz and Ruth. What does it mean when he covers her? What does it mean when we cover one another? Somebody messes up or they're not, they're not feeling like they've been brought into the relationship fully. This means we bring them in. They're different from us. Uh, I loved what Jim said the other night at the, the deal, that, that book about women are from... Venus, what's the Venus and Mars? He's like, no, we're not. We're all from Earth. (laughs) We're all from Earth. And there's a whole lot more that's similar than just seeing ourselves as from different planets. We're, We're image bearers together. Yes, we're different. We work through those things. We accept one another. We love one another. And we also are just so for one another. Song of songs, all the intimacy stuff. Uh, you know, words matter. You know, our words, you don't fully enjoy something until you say it. Just, I'm going to let that sink in. You can't, they don't just know it. You got to say it. 
And you don't have to say, you don't have to quote Song of Songs, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. <laughs> but you got to say it. I, how many times do you need, if you're married, how many times do you need to hear, I, I love you from your spouse? I am one leaking dude. Just, I leak. I probably tell her 20 something. I don't know what the average is. It's a lot. Like, you think she gets tired of hearing that? What do you think? No? Okay, so say it. Like, you don't get full joy until you say it, and she needs to hear it. He needs to hear it. We need to hear it. I mean, that's broader than just marriage relationships. We need to express in order to understand it ourselves. There's a, full, there's a fullness that comes through that process. Yeah. So how do we reflect the love of Christ and the church in all of this? It's good. Uh, Hosea and Gomer in real life. What does receiving a sinful wife back into the relationship look like in our marriages? It means that we're in, it's a covenant. And we're in. And we keep turning toward one another. And we give one another, not just the woman, because we're all human, it's the guy too. We keep receiving each other. We keep forgiving. We keep turning toward one another. We don't walk away from one another. It's, it's a covenant. It's, uh, it's a calling. It's not a falling. Again, that's from last Sunday night. We don't fall in love and out of love. If we make this co- covenant commitment, then we're in. And we don't fall out. We are committed to one another. Now, I'm talking a lot about applying this to husband and wives, but we also need to apply this to one another in the church because we are the bride of Christ. And so like dogging the bride, doing this with the, with the bride, you know, it's not a good, it's not good. Uh, just, we need to just pull back, honor the bride of Jesus Christ. It's just so filled with people that are just like you and me. And just, I, I want to say this is just, we're going to talk more about unity in a few weeks. It's huge. But just, if, we, if we're sinless and we're just, you just, man, it's been like a year or two since you did anything wrong, had some wrong thoughts or something, then maybe you can like throw some little pebbles or something. But I'm kidding. Because it's just like, man, we need grace. Don't, don't, don't you just feel like you need grace today? I do. I feel like I need grace. And I want to give grace. I want to give what I'm receiving. The forgiveness I'm getting, I want to give it to others. The love I'm receiving, I want to give it to others. The mercy that I'm, the forgiveness, all that, I want to give it to others. Praise the Lord. Isaiah, a real life marriage that touches other people, that is like he says in Isaiah 62, a delight to the Lord. A, a bridegroom, rejoice. I don't even know what's rejoicing. I rejoice over her, but I don't know what that always looks like. I'm just, I'm happy. I'm proud of you. But I need to like, I want to sing a song or, you know, this is like singing a song. Like, 
That's just wild. But that's what the picture is. It's a picture of God rejoicing over His people and Jesus rejoicing over us. And it lands in Jesus, His love for the church, laying down His life, helping to make her shine, delighting in her. Ultimately, landing this, it's it's God's vision that shapes our vision for what marriage is supposed to look like. I'm not telling you every the nine steps, but I am saying this is the way to go. Make your love look like Christ in the church. Make your forgiveness look like Christ in the church. Make your mercy look like Christ in the church. Make your patience look like Christ in the church. Make your long-suffering look like Christ in the church. Make your turning back toward each other look like Christ in the church. On and on, we could just keep going. Lord, show us how the shadow of our relationship of love can better reveal the reality of your love. Show us how to step into the light so that the shadows sharper that we're casting, you know, so that we can be seen and show your love more and more. Help us to see the destiny of better and better. You know, we started with the dash, and I want to finish there. The dash is, if you're going to be married, then it's going to be a chunk of your life. And if you're going to just, if you're, you're going to be single, then it's still, these relational principles are the, are the, the same. This heart of love for others, of care for others, of mercy for others, of forgiveness for others. What's it going to look like? The priority of marriage that God places on marriage, what's that going to look like in our lives? And I think part of what it means is we don't get to be unforgiving because Christ is not unforgiving. We don't get to be unloving. Because Christ is not in love. We don't get to turn away and keep walking away because Christ doesn't turn away and walk away. He keeps finding us. He keep, did, did anybody find God without Jesus finding you first? No, it's mercy. It's the hound of heaven. Is that Lewis or Chesterton or scholars? Anybody? There, there's a phrase, the hound of heaven. Francis Thompson. Okay, that, that's not what I was thinking. Uh, but uh, we don't get to be without hope because Jesus keeps bringing hope into our lives. He's the God of hope that gives us joy and peace as we trust in Him and fills us to overflowing by His Spirit so that we'll have overflowing hope in our lives. Amen. Y'all stand up. Okay, let's, let's respond here for a minute. Uh, get the worship team to come up, ministry team to come up. And here's what I want to do today. I want to give uh, everybody that wants to have somebody else uh, lay a hand on them and pray a blessing for them. I want that to happen all across this room. So there's a thousand things we could pray for, but because we've got strong marriages, we've got weak marriages, we've got people that want to be married, we've got people that aren't even thinking about that. But but all over that we're all over the place. But we all need the blessing. We need the blessing that God wants to give. So no matter where you're at, if you want to see that flowing into your life, this Christ in the church reality, then man, let's just let's. 
Let's get prayer from these guys up here. They're glad to pray that blessing for you. But if the front fills up, man, let's just, as many people as want to get prayer, like turn to somebody, can I pray for you? Can, can I pray for you? And then pray for me. Somebody come pray for me. You know, I, I want it. I want the blessing to be flowing into my life so that I can radiate what Christ in the church really looks like. That's going to ground us. That's going to it's going to keep us on the right path for the long haul. Even when we stumble, fall, get in the ditch, we still know where we're going. So Lord, meet us today. If we need to start a relationship with you or a true, I'm going to be a disciple relationship with Jesus, that, that call is always open. You can start that relationship today. And I just want to say too, if, if it's just one of you guys, if it's just one spouse, that's all it takes. If, if one thinks there's a need, then there's, then there's a need. If one thinks there's an opportunity, then there's an opportunity. You're one flesh. So Lord, meet us today. Thank You for grace wherever we're at. Even the grace to woo us, to make us want to. The, the, the desire. Thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come, receive a blessing. Get prayer. Come as couples. Let's do it. Thank You, Lord.